Welcome to the Racket Rundown Podcast. We are recording today on final Sunday at Roland Garros. Uh, and as expected, Novak Djokovic lifts his 23rd major. Uh, it's a crazy feat. It's something that uh, I don't think anyone could have foreseen two decades ago. But here he is, 23 majors. And so uh, myself, Ryan, and Akil are going to chat a little bit about that result um, and then sort of broader implications for the tour and then a little bit of a grass court preview as well. So with that, guys, what do you make of, uh, you know, the finals result, you know, and also Novak taking out Alcaraz in that semi. Of course, we know Alcaraz was physically compromised there, but, you know, where do you uh, think Novak's game and, and level is compared to the rest of the tour um, right now? And, and do you see any sort of decline that you're ever going to expect from him in the near future? Well, straight off the bat, I think off of just today's match, he definitely saved the best for last. Probably put in his best best match of, of the tournament uh, as far as the performance standpoint in this final. Um, it was lights out after the after the first set, really from the first set breaker on, and yeah, it was it was never in doubt. Um, especially once once we got through that semifinal, and uh, you know that's another <clears throat> that's another you know just uh, it's a learning lesson for Alcaraz on one hand, and then for for Novak, it's just you know asserting I'm still I'm still the man. So. Um, you know, certainly he played a part in, in the Alcaraz breakdown. Um, and yeah, I mean, you, you can't, you can't say enough about, um, yeah, but him for the first time now coming from behind and, uh, overtaking both those guys he's been chasing, um, throughout the course of his entire career. I think as far as the point on him, if he's showing any signs of slowing down anytime soon. Well, I mean, he's certainly declined for anybody that watched him, like, as far as 10 to, I mean, 10 plus years ago through his prime, which ended like halfway through 2016. But, you know, obviously that that doesn't doesn't matter when when you're when you're, you know, the greatest player of all time now, um, accolade wise for sure. Um, and especially with him, you know, more so than his other two, uh, goat compare contemporaries. Um, you know, he's, he's done the best job of resembling his prime self more than the other two, you know, so even a lesser version, <clears throat> obviously it's a handful to, to deal with as we've seen over the last uh really what six five six years now for you know amongst Feder Nadal and Djokovic now yeah no I mean it's uh it's super impressive that you know he's he's had the longevity that he's had but you know before we kind of talk a little bit more about implications I, I really want to give shout out to Casper Rude and would love to hear what you guys think about Casper Rude and his future with the game. Um, do you think that, you know, he's going to be winning a major anytime soon? Do you think he has the game? Do you think, you know, with the 
with the top players in the game and the rising stars? Um, does he have all the tools to be a super elite player? Can he become a much better player? Or do you think he has a little bit of a limited ceiling? Yeah, so, yeah, incredible tournament for Casper. He's now made three slam finals in his last five slams, which is insane. Uh, you know, last year's French Open, of course, lost to Rafa. U.S. Open lost in a tough four sets to Alcaraz. And then this was a very competitive uh, three-set loss to Djokovic. Um, listen, no, it was it. It's clear Casper is a top five player on clay now. Um, that's not up for debate, in my opinion. Um, it's clear that he is not afraid of even if him having easier draws, he's still not afraid to navigate players that are at his ability level or possibly even more talented than him. Uh, it was very impressive in beating Casper and beating a Holger Runa and Sasha Zverev combined losing only one set in those two matches. So um, as far as the ceiling, uh, I think it's it's possible he could win a slam. Um, I think he has a mental toughness for it. I think he has the body for it, which many players of the, his current generation and a little older than him, you question their bodies a little more. I'm not, I don't find myself questioning Casper's body as much, which is huge. Um, now, is he the most gifted or talented player? No. So that might... You know, his ceiling isn't super high as compared to, you know, other players his age or younger, like an Alcaraz or a Holger or even a Felix. But I, I definitely think he, he could be able to win one French Open title in a few years um, uh, if, if Djokovic, um, when he retires or if Djokovic declines more. Um, so I, I definitely could see one French out of him. It'd be tough to see him winning multiple slams given Alcaraz's meteor meteoric rise and Holger's ascent too. Um, it'd be tough to see him win multiple, but I think one is definitely a possibility. Yeah, no, I think that's completely fair. And, and uh, to your point on, on those two guys, and as we kind of think more about the state of the tour right now, um, unfortunate for Alcaraz that he, you know, he cramped up there in the semi, but, you know, I really want to get your guys' take on, you know, if that one result, like how that one result should be really taken by those who, who, who are, you know, kind of following the game. Like, you know, do we suddenly think Alcaraz is, you know, not going to be as dominant of a, fi of a figure on the tour? Does he need to have a different level of fitness? Um, do you think that he, you know, is at the same level or uh, potentially even better than Novak right now. Um, and, and, you know, in addition, those other guys that, you know, performed throughout the tour, Holger um, and, you know, Medvedev going out first round. Do you think that some of this inconsistency means that maybe the tour and the top players aren't as strong as we, we may have thought in the first two quarters of the season? Um, you know, as far as Carlos himself is concerned, it's not as I, I don't see it as much as a physical issue or having to work on, on the fitness. I mean, um, obviously the most famous in instance is the U.S. Open with him winning it, spending the most time on court of any slam champion ever. And you can't fluke your way through that. Either your body holds up in that or it doesn't. 
So certainly I think, you know, his, his body transformation last year, physically he's, he's totally fine. I, I think, you know, he, he also chalked it up to that and other, other, you know, commentators, courier and all during the match, um, you know, we're just quick to point out that it's probably a result of, of, uh, just tension and, and being too amped up for, for that particular match. And I think that's perfectly, I think that's perfectly acceptable. It's no, I, there would be reason to be demoralized if he was getting, if he was getting like taught a lesson out there. But as far as the tennis is concerned, he, you know, both guys were on and off a little bit patchy during the match, but, you know, if you can say Djokovic didn't play his best, neither did Alcaraz. Alcaraz, um, you know, he played a pretty poor tactical match. Um, horrible execution on on drop shots, uncharacteristic of him, et cetera, et cetera. But he still found himself at a set all. And, you know, if not the scales tipping in his favor at the time, they were dead even pre-cramps. So, you know, from that standpoint, I think it's just... It's just, uh, you know, another step in Alcaraz, you know, I've said he's him, but he's him in training right now. And that's just another building block. Um, you know, Novak himself, if you rewind it um, back to like him coming up pre-2011, he he had his fair share of, of these type of matches. In fact, like Djokovic himself has has. He, he withdrew after two set or retired after two sets of those seven Wimbledon semi against Rafa back then. Um, so yeah, I mean, for albeit it's a 36 year old, but you know, there's context there that it's not any 36 year old, it's probably the best 36 year old, um, ever. I mean, as far you know, Fed and Nadal also lasted that. And we're pretty good, pretty good into the into thirty six. But again, like I said earlier, I think you know Novak. It's credit to him for taking care of his body as well as he does, being so careful with the diet and all whatnot. Um, it's no coincidence that he's the one that most resembles a version that's close to the best of himself. Um, and you know, as for the rest of the guys, I think. You know, obviously, I, I I did buy into the Medvedev clay um, improvement. And I'm not sure that I'm like, I, I don't think that was necessarily a bad call. Like, he's not he's not a bad player on clay. He's just, you know, it's his track record is what it is on the surface. And. You know, as as for the rest of the guys, you know, is just uh, it's a they aren't. I feel like they are those a lot of the upsets, other than sinners. Um, you know, they play isn't the strongest surface for for a lot of those guys. So, you know, I I don't think it's any different. You know the state of this of men's tennis's landscape right now. Then, um, you know it has been other than maybe transitioning into, um, that next next gen is a development. Uh, yeah, no, I mean I think that's completely fair, and 
you know, I, I know we mentioned this earlier, but before, you know, kind of we transition into sort of the what the, the grass court swing should look like or what we expect, you know, on Novak, you know, winning the 23rd major, you commenting about him having the longevity he's had. Um, now we know Federer's retired. Nadal is going to retire next year. Um, that's what he's at least said. And yeah, um, statistically, he is the greatest player of all time. Uh, that's pretty unequivocal. Um, you know, 23 majors uh, and, and that being the leading stat. My question is, do you think that Novak in particular benefited from timing the most? Amongst, you know, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, in terms of, you know, having this prolonged period where, you know, of course he's playing at a high level, but he didn't have to face, you know, uh, like, for example, Federer at his later stages, 2014, 2015, was facing Novak in his prime, right? And so do we think that, you know, Novak's, you know, been able to really just have the timing correct. And that's what's led to this grand slam disparity. Or do we think there's a fundamental difference between Federer, Nadal and Djokovic in terms of, yeah, just their the quality of play or, you know, ultimately, yeah, like, you know, skill. I mean, I think it's a combination of things. Certainly Djokovic, um, we've seen him benefit from being in an era where, it's still extremely competitive and the athleticism is as high as it's ever been, arguably in the depth too, but you have players that just don't have the best of five chops, like in the same level that was occurring during Federer and Rafa's um, earlier primes. So we Wimbledon is the biggest example of this, right? So the past few years, um, you know, uh, Djokovic has gone through the likes of a Nick Kyrgios and a Matteo Berrettini in the final. These are great players, no doubt about it, but it pales in comparison to like a, a, a peak Rafa or a peak Fed on grass. So it it's definitely, um, Djokovic has definitely taken advantage of some weaker competition, especially on surfaces like grass, where there is a lack of experience and training and and comfortability among the younger players. That wasn't as much the case during the older times. But then also Novak is just mentally, you know, or I would say the most clutch player of all time. He he definitely clears Federer in that aspect in terms of being able to come back when the chips are down, facing all, you know, break points, going down sets, you know. Um, he's he's top of the top of that, and Rafa's right there too. But I, I think Novak has that mental edge that's just unbeatable. I mean, save for his, you know, is his dry spell second half of 2016 into 2017 and 18. Um, but other than that, he's been undeniably clutch for most of his career. Um, so I, I, and of course, like the training too how Novak takes care of the body as, as Akil alluded to um, definitely there's a mix of factors there. Um, but definitely I, I think this period is, it's still impressive to rack up the slams, but it's not like um, Djokovic is going against the giants that were Federer and Rafa in their primes, you know, especially from the period of around say 2005 to, 
in 2012 or so. Yeah, I think that's completely fair to say. And uh, um, Akil, do you want to add on to that? Or what are your thoughts there? Well, in general, with this whole post-prime era for all three of those guys, I think, you know, I mean, Fed obviously was at like 35. I mean, his post-prime, like elite post-prime period really started in like 2014 and went through 2019. Um, but obviously, as as you stated earlier, um, Fed still had, you know, Djokovic at the peak of his powers in 14, 15, early 16. Um, but, you know, for all three of them, I think it's fair to say that there's some, um, you know, they, they've benefited from from, you know, just such a such a vast experience and talent edge that all three of them have and you know um you know matt willis on twitter put it put it fantastically i think with you know all three of them even being lesser versions of themselves from their physical prime it's they, they they've just gone through the toughest of the tough from like I would say the golden age was like 07 to like 14, um, 2014-ish. But they've been through the toughest of the tough, like against each other at their best. And when you, it's like lowering the difficulty after that when they're not facing each other as much as they're older. And, uh, you know, these these really green younger guys are tasked with, having to beat them it's it's literally lowering the difficulty from what they've had to face before and you know Novak certainly he's he's best equipped to do it because you know as I said before his body's the best so um you know it's certainly the guys well 2018 won I think uh 11 so almost almost pretty much the same as from 2011 through um through 2016 i think he racked up 11 now he's pretty much matched that tally and i would not at all you know say that he's a he's as good or a better player than he was through that stretch um but again you know it's it's just that I mean, Alcaraz got this firsthand. It was, it's just a different sport that those guys play at the back end of majors. It's a different type of urgency needed all the time. And, you know, that type of stress, you saw what it did to, you know, the best hope we've had um, really since Big Three and Andy Murray. Um, you know, so, yeah, I mean, those those guys are just way too... They're they're just uh, they they're superhumans. It's 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 just different for for them. Yeah, no, I mean I think that's completely fair. Um, you know I think yeah that that training of playing against each other is just a different league, um, a different level of mental focus focus required. It makes sense, and. Uh, yeah, I guess, you know, transitioning here to the grass court swing. Um, you know, what are we looking for in terms of, uh, you know, what what do we expect from anyone outside of Novak? 
you know, because obviously we know Novak is uh, a well-equipped grass quarter, uh, seven-time <laughs> Wimbledon champ. But uh, who do we expect to to make some waves here um, before Wimbledon and then um, potentially, you know, into Wimbledon? Yeah, so, I mean, first, I mean, I'm I'm excited about grass just because there's some big names we haven't heard from in a while returning. We have Milos Raonic returning in the tournament in Netherlands starting this week. Um, Nick Kyrgios and Matteo Berrettini after long layoffs are back in Stuttgart, Germany. Um, Chilich is likely going to return before Wimbledon. And uh, Kane Shikori is starting to work his way back. I don't think he'll... He might not play Wimbledon, but he's starting to get back in the swing of things. He's playing in a challenger um, next this week. Um, so that's the that that's the main thing I'm interested about is the players returning. And then Venus on the women's side. I know we don't talk about women, the women's game, but Venus being um a seven-time Wimbledon, a five-time Wimbledon champion. You're always excited to see her return. Um, but in terms of players who can challenge Novak on grass, um, certainly, you know, Nick Kyrgios had a career year last year made the Wimbledon final and gave Novak um, a tough match. Even though he lost, he played a, played a good four set battle there. Um, so I definitely think if his mind is right and he gets some wins coming in, um, in his tune-ups, I, I, I think he could challenge Novak, although I don't think he'll beat Novak again. Um, same with Berrettini um, played him well in the, in 2021 Wimbledon final, I think the same thing, you know, get some wins under his belt coming in. And I think he could challenge, but not beat Novak. Um, I just don't think anyone right now is equipped to beat Novak on best of five on grass. Um, I know it's a quick turnaround for a 36 year old to go from seven intense rolling Garros clay matches to Wimbledon grass in three weeks. But I think as we've talked about, his body is more equipped than anyone else ever in the history of the game to deal with that. So I, I think um, Novak is the definite favorite to win an eighth Wimbledon and maybe, you know, a wild card like Shapovalov or Auger Eliassim, um, who's shown previous success on grass could give him a bit of a challenge as well, but I don't see, or maybe even Marin Cilic if he's in the right form um, coming off injury, but I don't see anyone um, standing in the way of Novak getting an eighth Wimbledon. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think that's a fair assessment. And I guess, you know, uh, the the question that I'm sure some folks are thinking about is, you know, what are fair expectations for Alcaraz um, when it comes to grass? You know, obviously, it's still early in his career. Um, he has an aggressive game style. Uh, and obviously, grass is, is a completely different surface to, to harden clay. But what's a realistic expectation for um, Alcaraz in this grass court swing and at Wimbledon. I would say probably a quarter. You know, he wasn't that far off from that last year. And, you know, the grass field, as, you know, Ryan touched on it earlier, um, you don't have that many guys that, that really know how to play on grass. And the ones that do are typically the, you know, the big servers and, and those guys obviously have have their limitations as far as just how far they can push um you know the top top guy which i mean right now it's only really novak who's who's you know accustomed to playing on grass 
putting putting it lightly, really. But uh, so from that standpoint, I think Al- Alcaraz, you know, I don't think it's unreasonable to say quarter, maybe even semifinal, um, but at least quarter, because last year was literally a second grass court tournament and it wasn't bad at all. You know, he put in um, I think, yeah, he barely got by Struff, which is a very tricky first round at Wimbledon. But, you know, he put in some really good performances after that against other guys who can't. I guess I think he beat Greek Spore and Ota um, dismantled him. And it took Sinner's, you know, I think his best match of his career to this point to to beat him in four. I guess, you know, off last year also, I should probably say Yannick should be in that in that mix on on grass as well. Hadn't been great on grass before, but he was really good at Wimbledon last year. Um, and yeah, I think it took it took his best best match like match of his career, I would say to to take Alcaraz out. So with the right draw, which I mean, he'll be a top two seed. I I'd probably be surprised to see Alcaraz go out before the quarters this year at Wimbledon. Should only get better than he did than he was on grass last year. Of course, all this, you know, if as long as he's healthy and uh, yeah, I mean, with his game, it it shouldn't take long to to translate well to grass. Yeah, no, that makes uh, complete. Ryan, did you want to weigh in there as well? Yeah, I forgot to add. Yannick is definitely someone who could challenge Novak. I mean, he did last year at Wimbledon going up two sets in that quarterfinal before Novak turned on the Jets. So, um, And Alcaraz could challenge Novak, but I still don't see those two guys along with the rest of the guys I mentioned actually beating Novak. Um, but, you know, maybe I'm wrong because Wimbledon has seen its fair share of crazy upsets over the years um, from some crazy Rafa upsets to, um, you know, Fed losing to Stakovsky. Um, just random stuff can happen on grass sometimes, even though we've naturally seen Federer and Djokovic as the two staples uh, at the tournament for the better part of the last 20 years. Yeah, and I guess uh, to that point, um, you know, with Novak having seven Wimbledon titles and and potentially going for an eighth here, you know, and you think about the field and, and not being adept to grass, you know, do we think that, you know, obviously the only other player who's had seven Wimbledon titles is Pete Sampras. Do we think that Novak is, you know, right there, like, you know, top two, top three grass court players of all time, maybe even if, if and if he equals Fed's eight here, uh, how do you compare these two? Um, you know, is Novak just an elite grass court player or is he a beneficiary of, you know, having a weaker field? Well, without a doubt, he's an all-time great on, on grass. There's, I mean, I think, you know, there's, I think it's fair to say that his Wimbledon count has been inflated a little bit by, um, just the lack of guys outside the big three, really, the last couple of years that have, well, really ever since like 2018, when, you know, the last remnants of those golden era guys were still still making it to the business end of, of Wimbledon. But he's beaten everybody there. He's beaten as good 
a Nadal as we've had at Wimbledon since he last won the title in 2018. And, you know, just a, one of the best matches ever, probably the best match I've ever seen live. Um, and obviously he's got the 3-1 record on Federer. Um, but obviously I think, you know, people, more hardcore fans, there's, there's context to that. Um, but, you know, of course, if he gets to eight, that makes that discussion all the more interesting just because he's beaten him in three, beaten Roger in three finals. Um, I, I mean, personally, I, I would probably say I give Fed and Pete the edge on their days just because they're more like typical of the archetype that would succeed on grass. And, um, you know, personally, I I think Novak really only faced Roger with with his old racket to begin with, but at a time when Fed could still hang with him from the baseline, that was one time, and that was 2012. And you know, I get I guess you could say maybe maybe he didn't play it. He had he himself hadn't hit his best grass level thing that came in like 14 and 15. But also the other side of the net, that's the closest we really got to him seeing Fed at his best on grass. So, you know, there's it's it's not as clear cut as simply the eight, eight and three one at Wimbledon. But. Yeah, you, you could go either way with that. Yeah, no, I, I think it's completely fair. I think that, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you think about, you know, classic grass court player. Uh, you know, Novak's not your typical um, mold of that, but, you know, the fact of the matter is he has been successful and, you know, he's obviously very adept at playing on grass. So I guess uh, with that, um, I think that wraps up this edition of uh, the Racket Rundown podcast. And we'll see how this uh, grass court tune-up plays out. And then, uh, you know, we, we may comment and, and have a podcast in between. But at the very least, expect to hear from us to preview the Wimbledon draw. So, yep, yeah, that wraps up our edition of the Rack Rundown podcast. Thanks for tuning in.